1: We somehow think that our net worth determines our self-worth. The problem with that is that people will sacrifice their values, their faith, their morals, and their integrity just to make another dollar. I want you to know that you're already beautiful. You're already worthy. Based on what Christ did for you on the cross he created you he blessed you he graced you he saved you you are already rich beyond imagination you are a child of the king
0: good evening i'm kyle welch and welcome to lift up jesus with pastor dudley We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up His name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's
1: message. I want you to look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. This is the verse that uh, talks about the last commandment, commandment number 10. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's, what, house. I know none of you have ever done that. Uh, You shall not covet your neighbor's, what, your neighbor's wife. His manservant, his maidservant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. God says you shall not covet. Now we have been looking at some pretty big sins. Would you not agree with that? We've looked at murder, adultery, stealing, lying. This one on coveting seems kind of wimpy. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. After all, we've never turned on the television and seen anyone ever arrested for coveting. We've never seen that. We've never seen on America's Most Wanted someone guilty of coveting. I've never heard of anyone being fired for coveting. You see, it's difficult to even detect this sin in one's life. Therefore, it's easy for us to downplay this sin. But if I had the time, and I wish I had the time today But if I had the time, I could show you how this sin leads us to break the other nine commandments. If you remember when we started this series and we looked at commandment number one, which is to have no other gods except me, I said to you that if you could just get commandment number one, no other gods except the one true God, if you could just get that down, you wouldn't even have to worry about the other nine. Well, now we've come to the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. I want you to know that this, breaking this commandment leads to murder. It leads to stealing. It leads to lying. It leads to worshiping false gods. This commandment leads to the breaking of the other commandments. That's why it's so important. Covetousness is an uncontrolled desire to acquire. Now, I have to say this. It's not wrong to desire to acquire certain things, I think God put that in our nature, uh, a desire to acquire things. I I just think that's who we are. And there are some things that are okay uh, to want. For example, peace. Peace is a good thing to want, it's a good thing to desire. Salvation is a good thing to want, it's a good thing to desire. I wish all of you were saved. It's okay to want to be saved. It's okay to have a desire to understand the Word of God. Wouldn't you like to just have a better understanding of the Word of God? It's okay to desire that and to acquire that. But what he's saying here is that uncontrolled, it's an uncontrolled desire to acquire is what's wrong. God is saying there are some things that are not yours. There are some things that are off limits. There are some things that will cause more harm than good. Excessive desire, envious desire, Would you not agree with me that in our society today there is this desire to keep up with the Joneses? Would you not agree with me on that? Today's message I want to give you five consequences and you can see if if any of these five things are going on in your life then maybe you do have a problem with coveting and then we're going to look at five uh, steps to conquering covetousness. So here's the first consequence. Write this down if you would please. It's fatigue, fatigue is a consequence of wanting more. In our culture, we have never been so stretched to the limit in our zest to acquire so much so quickly. We work long hours, we take on second jobs. Some of you have third jobs. Husbands work, wives work, children. Well, we want the children to work, it's hard to get them to work, but we want our children to work. And we work around the clock. We work tirelessly, and we're willing to put up with long commutes and traffic, and as a result, we're all tired. We, we have literally worn ourselves out in the pursuit of trying to acquire things. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. We are exhausted people in this pursuit. Number two, the second consequence is debt. Can anyone identify with debt here today? The Bible says in Proverbs 22 that the borrower is a servant, which is the word slave. The person who borrows is a slave to the lender. The Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 26 and verse 27, do not be a man who strikes hands in a pledge or puts up security for his debts, For if you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from underneath you. Your bed is about to be snatched from you because of debt. And you know, the average American spends $1,300 for every $1,000 they make. Let me explain that to you again. For every $1,000 we earn, we spend $1,300. You say, well, how's that possible? Well, that's called deficit spending. That's something our president and our Congress, and I blame all of them, they are professionals at that. We are now some $20 trillion in debt as a nation, and they're putting that upon your backs and upon my backs. It's the same thing that we do as individuals. We can't be too mad at them because we do the same thing. Every $1,000 we earn, we spend $1,300. I want you to know this that if you ever look and you see that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, you can be assured that they have a larger water bill than you have. (laughs) We've got to learn how to live within our means. Can someone say amen? Amen. Number three is worry. Worry. Worry is the consequence. When when your desire to acquire has gone haywire, you worry. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, now look at this verse. The abundance of a rich man permits him no what? Sleep. Well, why can't he sleep? Well, because he's up all night. Why is he up all night? He's worrying about his stuff, how to protect it, how to guard it, how to save it, how to invest it, how to insure it, how to avoid paying taxes on it. The fourth consequence of coveting is conflict. Now, the Bible says in James 4, a couple of verses here you need to see, What causes fights and quarrels among you? You want something, but you don't get it. He's answering the question, where do fights and quarrels come from? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and, what's the word? Covet. But you cannot have what you want. Did you know that the number one cause of divorce in America is financial tension? Husbands and wives, supposedly who love each other, Arguing over money, spending, how much on this, what are we going to do with that, why are we buying this, and the possessions that they own. You need to understand that we're not supposed to covet what someone else has, a neighbor's house, a neighbor's wife, uh, an ox or a donkey, well, we'll just say their boat or their car or anything that belongs to your neighbor, it will lead you down a dark path of inner conflict and outer turmoil. Did you know that there are battles and wars that are being waged this very moment all over the world simply because they're coveting? Nations fighting over land and oil, countries fighting over sovereignty, companies fighting over customers, citizens arguing over parking spaces? Now I want to give you five solutions to conquering covetousness. Number 1, resist the comparison game. We've got to stop comparing ourselves to one another. Now, there's always someone with more. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 says, "We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. You are not wise." If you compare houses, your house with their house, your car with their car, your spouse with their spouse, your looks with their looks, your clothes with their clothes, your job with their job, your bank account with their bank account, your talent with their talent, it is not wise. How do you react when you see someone else driving a a better car than you? How do you react when someone has more beautiful furniture than you? Do you know why we compare Because in our society, we keep score by our possessions. We somehow think that our net worth determines our self worth. And if you think for a minute that your self worth is based on your net worth, you will die chasing that dream of thinking if only you had this and I had that, then I would really be something special. The problem with that is that people will sacrifice their values, their faith, their morals and their integrity just to make another dollar. I want you to know that you're already beautiful. You're already worthy. Based on what Christ did for you on the cross, he has, he created you, he blessed you, he graced you, he saved you. You are already rich beyond imagination. You are a child of the King. That's your net worth. second step to conquering covetousness is is resolve to be content oh this is hard you got to resolve to be content with what you have Paul wrote these words in Philippians I'm gonna I, I want you to see verse 11 12 and 13 but first verse 11 it says I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances and then he says in verse 12 I know what it is to be in need I know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I live in plenty or whether I live in want. You've got to learn to be content with what you have. Eve had the entire garden. There was one tree, just one tree God said, stay away from. And even though she had the entire garden, she saw the one tree that she couldn't go to. And she said, that's the one I want. David was the king over the entire nation of Israel. He could have had anything that he wanted. He had anything that he wanted. But he saw Bathsheba, another man's wife, and he said, i got to have her. Judas had Jesus right next to him. He was in the inner circle. Judas was with Jesus, but he was offered 30 pieces of silver. And he gave up the Son of God in order to line his pockets with the few coins of silver. You have to learn to be content with what you have. You see, the very next verse says, now, We take verse 13 out of context all the time. I meet Christians all the time. They're up against a struggle. They're in a battle. It could be anything. They go, well, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, that's a good verse, but that verse isn't talking about that. This verse in context, verse 11, verse 12, Paul's saying, I've learned to be content whether I have plenty, whether I I have nothing. Uh, I have learned this. And then he says, in that context of being content with what he has, does he say, I can do all things. The only way you can resolve or learn to be content with what you have is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can do it. It's the only way that I can do it. The third step, the third step in conquering covetousness is to rejoice in what we do have. In other words, and you need to write this down somewhere in your notes, just be thankful. Be thankful for what you have. Ecclesiastes 5.19, Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions, and he just enables them to enjoy them and accept his lot in life and to be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. Everything you have is a gift that comes from God. Whether you have just a little or you have a lot, You need to enjoy whatever it is that God's given to you. We get in trouble when we fall into the when and then game. When I get this, then I'll be happy. When I get a better paying job, then I'll be happy. When I get my kids through college, then I'm going to be happy. When I get this new piece of furniture, then I'll be happy. When I get this new smartphone, then I will be happy. No, you won't. You're going to be just as unhappy then as you are now. I want to ask you this question: What is it that you're waiting for right now? What is it that you are waiting for right now that you think if I had, I would only be happy if I had this? What is that? If I was married, I, I just know I would be happy. No, 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 I mean, don't we have married people who think if I was single, I would be happy? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Oh, if I only had kids, I'd just be happy if I just had kids. Oh, Oh. 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 Oh, listen, I know they're cute when they're little. Man, they grow up and they're a handful. Happiness is not getting what you want. Happiness is enjoying whatever you have. And did you know that God actually enjoys watching you enjoy what he's given to you? Just as you as a parent, if you've ever given your child anything, you sit back. You just like to enjoy your child, enjoy what you gave that child. And don't you hate it when the child goes, this is not what I want, just throws it off. You don't like that. Well, God doesn't like that either. The Bible says in Proverbs 15 that a greedy man brings trouble to his family. One of the marks of maturity is when you can finally say enough is enough. And there's two ways to have enough in life. Either to get more or to want less. There was a preacher in a country church out in the boondocks. And for the first time in his life, he went to New York City. And he walked around those streets. We went back to his little country church. He got back down on his knees and he said, Lord, I want to thank you for all the things that I saw. But I also want to thank you that there was nothing that I saw that I wanted. I want to thank you for that. The fourth key to overcoming covetousness is to release what you do have to help others. This is a big step when you realize that God has blessed you and given to you what he has given to you. Not so much for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. The little book in the New Testament. I want you to find it. Verse 17. Command those who are rich. Stop right there. Do not think that he's talking about someone other than you here. If you're here right now and you're wearing clothes and you had food yesterday and you're going to eat today and you're going to eat tomorrow and somehow you have a place to sleep and you got to church today, you are in the top 2% of people in the entire world as far as wealth goes. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I want to say this. There is nothing in the Bible that's against being wealthy. There's nothing in there that says you should not have things. What's wrong is when you put your trust in your wealth rather than putting your trust in God. That's what's wrong. And so then he says in verse 18, command those who are rich to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Verse 19, and in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In other words, this is not truly life. The true life is the life when we get to be with God. So the question is, is it possible to be wealthy and not materialistic? And the answer is yes, because you can be poor and still greedy, and you can be rich and be greedy, or you can be poor and generous, and you can be rich and generous. You say, well, how can I be wealthy and not be materialistic? By following the three precautions in that verse— do not become proud in your wealth do not put your trust in your wealth but to use your resources to do good and all God's people said amen, amen. and the last step in having victory over covetousness is to refocus on that which is eternal everybody say eternal now look at this verse 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 so we fix you got to fix your eyes oh this is hard On not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. You know, this is very difficult because everything in this world that you can see, that you can touch, your house, your car, your money, everything that you can see is temporary One day it will all be gone. The only thing that lasts are the things that are eternal. This is hard for us because we don't think like this. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said these words, Watch out, be on your guard against all forms of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Happiness cannot come from your possessions. And yet we think that, if I just had more, I'd be happy. No, you're not going to be happy. You're going to have more to worry about. Happiness does not come from your possessions. It comes from knowing your purpose. Why did God make me? Why am I here? What is my purpose on this earth? Why did God place me here? There was a rich man who died without Christ, And they were standing at his graveside and someone remarked he had so much to live for. This is so sad. Another person said, no, he had so much to live on. He had nothing to live for. It's because he had pursued things his whole life, but he never had a purpose. And I just want to challenge you. If God lets you to live to be 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 or even 100... Use all the days of your life on this earth, not for self, but for God. Spend your life on this earth, not for things that are temporary in nature, but spend your life here on this earth for things that are eternal. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I know this to be true, that everything that happens in this church, the music, the singing, the preaching, the baptisms, the communion, the, 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 the things that we have in the sport department, in the nursery, the preschool, the high school, the, everything we do here at this church is for things that are eternal, trying to make an eternal difference in the lives and hearts of men and women. Why don't you come and join us in this effort? spend the rest of your lives not pursuing happiness, but being thankful for what you have, using that which you have to bless others and to take your eyes off of this world and to put your eyes on things above.
0: If you were moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight, we want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God, and prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. If you're like me, you've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like, for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening tonight. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888 818 Four seven seven seven. We know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.